0: Welcome to the Inadvertent Whistle Podcast. This is our first episode. My name is Scott Bach Hansen.
1: And this is Adam Brick, and this is our third Inadvertent Whistle as we try to start this podcast.
0: <laughs> so, a lot of people have said, you know, it would be great to have a podcast about basketball officiating, and I'm not sure we're the right ones to do it, but uh, we, we decided we'd take a shot at it. So, uh, we're going to try to do this on a semi-regular basis. Normally, we would have a, a guest to interview, but we're not going to have that this week. So, today... We're just going to really focus on talking about some of our pet peeves, how we get ready for the season, share some rule changes, and maybe a story or two.
1: So We look forward to sharing this time with you, and we'll tell you a little bit about ourselves.
0: So, many people in the D.C. area know who we are, but a lot of people outside may not know who we are. So, Adam, why don't you share a little bit about your background and your officiating career?
1: Thanks, Bach. I've actually been officiating for, for close to 30 years now here in Northern Virginia at the high school basketball level. I did a stint of about a dozen years or so at the Division One level in men's college basketball in conferences like the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the Ivy League, the Patriot League, and, and a few others. But the real passion that I have is for high school basketball. I've been involved with Cardinal Basketball Officials Association here in Northern Virginia since I first started in the, in the late 80s. I've been involved as our president, a member of our board of directors, involved in a lot of, of training and evaluation of our officials and for the Virginia High School League for the past eight or nine years have run an evaluation camp to identify officials to potentially work the state tournament. So it really has become a labor of love for me. I've met a lot of lifelong friends um, including my wife who is also a basketball official with us and she also did some women's college basketball at Division One level. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, Bach why don't you share some of your background with our one or two or three listeners that we have at this point?
0: One, two, or three listeners. I think we got more than that. I think we're probably going to have five. You've got two kids. I've got three. Uh, I've left our wives out of it because they make better decisions than we do. So uh, as far as myself, I'm Scott Hansen, and I'm currently the vice president for Cardinal Basketball Officials Association, and I'm getting ready to enter my 26th year of officiating. Started in 1992 after the prodding of a former college basketball coach and a current NBA referee. Maybe those would be good stories for another day. I spent 13 years in NCAA Division II and III. Uh, really enjoyed it, but due to a work uh, opportunity, I had to give up college basketball. And we relocated the family down south, and now I've returned. So, doing it for 26 years, I'm really focused on developing younger officials and trying to help them achieve their goals, uh, and see that their dreams come true, and just really try to be the best teacher and trainer I can be. So that's really my focus. Um, So if you're ever out there and you need information, uh, I can certainly help you and your association with different things. So why don't we get into some other things and uh, maybe talk a little bit about how we get ready for the season here. So um, let's, let's jump into that right now. So here we are. It's Mid-November, and we're right in the middle of high school scrimmage season, and I get asked a lot, what are some of the things that you guys do to get ready for the basketball season? So, I'll start with a couple things, and Adam, you can jump in here. First of all, uh, and I'm not, I I should not be the first person to talk about this, Um, I should probably be the last person to talk about this, but you got to get physically ready, and for me, uh, I've done a lot of work at uh, a, a fitness club, getting on the elliptical, just trying to get myself ready for the season from a cardiovascular standpoint, running up and down the courts, not the same as an elliptical machine. But that, that would be one of the first things, obviously going through the new rule changes, which we're going to touch on here in a minute.
1: And, and Scott, if I can jump in, I, I can attest to the fact that Scott's been working out a lot because he sure does send a lot of pictures of him on the elliptical. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the same picture over and over again, but at least that thumb's getting to work out on the, on the picture
0: button on the iPhone. So he is ready to roll for the season. Damn it! You caught me. It's the same damn picture, just from different angles. Um, you know, but but in all seriousness, the rule changes and getting getting used to those. And I would say, for me, I liked getting a couple of games and in, in the fall times, just so I can get my eyes ready for the speed of play. And you know, these kids are playing year round now. I don't do a lot in the summertime about officiating on my own. I, I spend a lot of time evaluating officials. So those are some of the things that that I pay attention to. Um, and, and there's more, but Adam, you got any others that you want to jump in on?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with Scott in terms of the the physical readiness for the season. And as we all know, uh, every year we get a year older and, and the kids stay the same age. So as you get to be our age, uh, it gets to be a little bit more challenging year in and year out. Now, but I also think the, the mental preparation. Um, believe it or not, I think it's important. I watch a lot of other sports on TV, which I, you know, I try to explain to my wife and my kids that that's getting me ready for the basketball season, uh, and watching how other officials and other sports deal with the situations that come up. So I do think there's a, there's a great value in getting yourself mentally ready, uh, and getting yourself uh, in shape physically, mentally, emotionally for what can be for many of us a, a short yet grueling season.
0: Yeah, and, and, and to add on to getting mentally ready, getting physically ready, one of the things that's really new for us as officials is the opportunity to look at game video. Uh, our local association is tied into Huddle. We use Huddle. And, you know, going back and watching games or seeing clips or or getting opportunities to maybe look at different plays that maybe you haven't seen before is a great way to to keep your mind sharp and your eyes sharp for different types of plays. There's so many different resources out there now, whether it be through your local association, through YouTube, you can just now pretty much Google anything you want to uh, and find, find it now. So there's opportunities for us to continue to improve on that aspect as well. So um, those would be the areas that I think that you know, we would want to share with, with anyone that's looking to find a way to get ready for the season. Uh, you know, d- just in summary, get physically ready, get your mind ready. Uh, maybe see plays either live or go into a gym and just watch them play so you can get ready for that speed of play.
1: Oh, well, Scott, I have a, a message here, a text message from Cecil Hurst, who is the commissioner or the assigner for Cardinal Basketball. And he wanted to chime in for, in terms of getting ready for the season is make sure you keep your clothes out up to date with your commissioner so that your your dates are accurate, you're ready to roll, your contact information. Um, And so Cecil just wanted me to pass that along to everybody, not only in Cardinal, but for all the other commissioners out there, uh, because he's such an altruistic individual, wants to make sure that that that's happening in every association across the country.
0: All right. So that's our two cents on getting ready for the season, not only yourself, but getting your calendars and everything else ready. So, um, you know, if you have any other questions, feel free to shoot us an email and we'll be glad to answer them.
1: So now let's talk a little bit about the rule changes for the coming season. And those of you that know me well know that is not in my bailiwick. So I'm going to turn that one over to Bach.
0: All right. So so there are a number of rule changes this year, and I'm not going to go through each of these word for word. But the first one uh, that's listed under 113.2 talks about the coaching box now being extended from a 14-foot coaching box going to 28 feet. So you get 28 feet from the end line, It's 10 feet short of the NCAA now, but at least it gives the coaches a little bit more room. I'm proud to say that there were two members of our uh, official association here at Cardinal in the Northern Virginia area that were responsible for the correct writing of that rule. So um, that that part's uh, positive for us. The next one talks about how the officials will use two hands when reporting. Uh, Adam's been doing this for five or ten years now, so we finally caught up to him.
1: And now I'll probably be going back to one-handed signaling.
0: Yeah, just to piss everyone off. So, um, But there are uh, some important pieces to that. It's easier for the scorekeepers to read two hands, um, something that Adam knew many years before the National Federation put it into play. Uh, there's some uniform stuff, and I'm not going to worry about that for here. Uh, send that to the school so they can get the right uniforms and where logos go. Uh, one of the big ones, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this one, uh, is the warning to the head coach. A coach can now receive an official warning for either their behavior or their bench's behavior, and it's a, a, a play that uh, the official will blow the whistle and call attention to himself and ask the table to please write in the book that the head coach or the, the bench has been warned for behavior. Um, so we'll, we're gonna, we have a lot to talk about on that one, so we're going we're gonna to get over that here in a minute. But the last one uh, on the rule changes is the disposal of the, the ball to the thrower or free thrower when it's bounced um and it's it's after it is bounced to either uh he or she it, it, all that has to do with is they're trying to help clarify live ball dead ball so that if you're bouncing the ball to the the thrower in and there's contact whether it's a uh a, a common foul personal foul or whether it's a technical foul so that's it for the uh rule changes the edit the points of emphasis Head covering worn for medical or religious reasons, not touching that one with a 10-foot pole right now. Team control on a throw-in, we can talk a little bit more about that later. Intentional fouls is a point of emphasis, and how we guard uh, the players coming in. So, Adam, let me ask you, of all those uh, rule changes or points of emphasis, is there anything that sticks out to you that you want to chime in uh, with one way or the other? Um, I'm sorry, Scott, I was falling asleep here a little
1: bit when you started talking about rule changes because, as many people know, I'm so excited to talk about the rules. But what I am excited about is the first email that we have in our inbox, which is inadvertentwhistle at gmail.com. Wow, that is awesome. And it comes from uh, one of our local head boys varsity basketball coaches here at South Lakes High School, Andrew Duggan. And he was curious about the whole administrative warning Rule change for head coaches. Well, I can tell you this. I'm thrilled that the, that the Federation has finally recognized the Adam Brick 28-foot coaches box. Now, because I'm glad to see that the coaches, actually, I thought that was the rule. So I'm glad to see that I now know the rule. Uh, but Andrew was asking about how is this whole administrative warning going to work with head coaches? And, and I suspect, I know at least for me, it's going to be used uh, rarely, if ever. Not because I do believe that um, the best way to deal with coaches is, is open communication from the time we throw the ball up to the time the game ends. And so I don't think that's a tool that I'm going to be using uh, very often. Um, and I don't know what, what, what your thoughts are on that, Scott, but, but I know that communicating with head coaches is imperative to our success as basketball officials.
0: Yeah, you know, Adam, I agree with you. I don't like it. I like I don't like it for a different reason, though. I feel like we've come a long way with our relationship with coaches that it sends the wrong message that here we are, now we're going to uh, identify a coach or his bench uh, as being unsporting in some type of capacity, that we're going to have to draw attention, stop the game, and embarrass them in front of everybody. I just I don't like that piece of it. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be opportunities to use it effectively uh, but if you're a veteran official, uh, most of the veterans I've talked to I know don't like this either. And and here in, in Car- Cardinal, we've done a lot of different things. We've we've had some coaches roundtables where we've had some great coaches around this uh, Northern Virginia area like David Houston and uh, Andrew Duggan and Asim uh, Rastogi from uh, Woodson Girls Program, uh, Diane Lewis, Lewis, Noel Klippenstein, uh, and Jeff Hawes, although I said great coaches. So... Um, we'll put him in, in, in that category, I guess. So. Well, he's
1: not quite at the John Costello level, but he's getting
0: there. Yeah, he's, he, you're right, you're right. Keep working, Jeff. Um, so for us, you know, we, we've come a long way with the development of our relationship with coaches. We had Brian Doyle from uh, the the DMV Hoops cast come out and speak to our officials from an assistant coach's perspective, which I thought was great. And I, and I think it's going to be a, a thing that we're going to have to learn, and we're probably going to have some challenges in the beginning of it, but... That's, that's that's definitely one I have a challenge with. The other the other thing that
1: I don't like about any kind of official warning is that you box yourself in, which means the next time you want to do something, you have to give the technical foul, and and that's not something I want to force me or my crew into, and I don't want my crew forcing me into either. So I would really highly recommend that that be used very judiciously, uh, very rarely, uh, and that and the danger is that young officials or newer officials are going to start to use that and it's going to become a crutch. Um, And I'm fearful that that's going to deteriorate the communications between head
0: coaches and officials. Couldn't agree more. So uh, Andrew Duggan, thanks for sending that email and I didn't even know we had it listed out there yet. So that's great. So uh, let's, let's look a little bit further into this and and maybe uh, we kind of touched on something that may be a pet peeve. So why don't we, Talk about some of our pet peeves. So, as far as pet peeves go, there's a lot, which is why this is going to be a regular segment here on the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. And for me, I'm going to start with the fact that there are a lot of social media websites out there that officials are using, and there's there's Facebook groups, and a lot of times they will take a, a play or a clip of a play, and it will be a tough block charge play, as an example, and everybody just starts uh, giving their two cents on and ends up being a difference of opinion most of the time. And then there's asking, oh, recite the rule. And, but one of the things that they don't really pay attention to is that when you're breaking down videotape or watching tape, plays don't happen in individual clips. You know, I might call a play differently depending on how the game flow has gone. If we've had uh, a chance to let contact go I might let that contact go to be consistent with the game and my crew. If my partner at one end called a block and I have very similar contact on this end, I'm going to call it a block um, to be consistent with my crew and for the game. I want to make sure that we're not sending mixed signals to the team. So a lot of times in these Facebook groups, I see really uh, venomous conversation back and forth about how can you obviously think this. And to take one play in its own silo, doesn't do us any justice. And the way that the, the new 21st century way of officiating is, is that we're trying to, to beat the videotape, but we're trying to beat it in just one play increments. We need to remember what was called before, how it impacts the crew, how it impacts the game. So that's, that's my pet peeve. I, I wish that we would have a little bit more understanding. I'm just as guilty of looking at plays and saying, well, this play as it stands on its own would be X. Um, but I think that there's opportunities to understand. So, uh, you know, Adam, when I get a play in from a coach and he says, hey, can you take a look at this, I say yes, but I want to see the whole tape. So, Because I want to see what, what happened that led up to that play beforehand. So that's my pet peeve for this uh, first episode. Adam, why don't, why don't you share what one of your pet peeves is? My
1: list of pet peeves is pretty long, Bach. Um, but I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to pick one that is – Uh, pertinent to the beginning of the season. As we all begin to get our initial assignments uh, from our commissioners or assigners, there's a natural tendency for people to start sharing their schedules. I got this game, you got that game, I'm with this guy, you're with that guy. And you know what? The game that you're going to referee on any given day is the biggest game for the kids that day because that's the only game they're playing. And the way I look at it, my ego's as big as anybody else's. Um, that if I'm refereeing a game, it must be a big game, Uh, even though it may be the first-place team versus the last-place team. And so I'm going to give everything i got to that game. And we all get the opportunity to work with people sometimes we may not otherwise want to work with. But you know what? Um, You can't work with your friends every day. Um, You have to go out there and do the best you can uh, and make your crew stronger and make your crew better. Uh, so it does. It drives me nuts sitting in a locker room and when I'm hearing about what game somebody did yesterday or what game somebody has tomorrow, unless what they're bringing to the table is about a play and how they handled it in a game, I don't really want to hear where you were the day before or where you are tomorrow. Uh, my focus is on tonight's game, the kids in that game, the coaches in that game, the partners so that we can be the best team out on the floor. Um, and so... It, that, that, that's something that just drives me insane uh, about officials. Um, so I, I apologize for going on that rant, but we may have to change the title of the segment from Pet Peeves to
0: uh, Rant and Rave. Um, <laughs> so. All right, you're, you're 100% right, Adam, and I, I think that we can all learn uh, from that. And, you know, I know. Yeah, I've been guilty in the past as well you know, and, and, and thinking out of the box that way. So it is important for us to, to stand up and, and, and take account for the game that we're assigned because it's best for the kids.
1: And if I can just share one more thing. One of the other things about my background that I didn't share earlier is I've been in athletic administration for the better part of 25 years. And so I see it from the other side. I see it from the athletic director's side, from the coach's side. And it's important when we walk into a gym – as an official, to know that that's not our game. That's their game. And our job is, when, when we get out there, and in most cases, 15 minutes prior to prior to tip, that's when our jurisdiction starts. And our jurisdiction ends when we walk off the court at the end of the game. We don't decide when the game starts. We don't make any of those other decisions. That's up for home game management. So show up, check your ego at the door. And it's something that, if, if there was an article last season that uh, a friend of ours in Cardinal, he's a hell of an official, both basketball and, and in the NFL, Gene Steratore, I actually spoke at our Cardinal officials basketball banquet last season. But one of the things that Gene said, it was, I think it was in one of the Chicago newspapers, and they followed around a Big Ten crew for a couple of games. And Gene was talking to the, the folks at the scores table in the locker room. And he told them, basically this was his, his quote, the ego that we demonstrate out on the floor is for self-preservation. So you need that in order to survive doing this game. But don't use that ego uh, to put a damper on your partners or uh, any of the other participants in a game. So go out there this season, uh, have a great attitude, have a lot of fun, and uh, try not to F it up. It's now story time! Yay! At inadvertent whistle with Brick and Bach. So Bach, why don't you lead us off with a story that you can share with our—I think you said five
0: listeners. Yeah. So, uh, and well, six because Duggan apparently is listening because he sent us an email. Um, so we're talking about getting ready for the season in this first episode. So I will share a story from what happened a couple of years ago, where I had a, uh, a game and one of my officials. Uh, my partners, walked into the locker room and said, uh, you're not going to believe this, but I, uh, I left my bag on the counter. And uh, I live 45 minutes away. There's no way I can do the game. And uh, there was no other opportunities for replacement based on uh, who was working the, the JV game uh, to, to substitute for this, this partner. So um, instead, we made him go to Walmart. To buy shoes. He borrowed a shirt from one of the other J V guys who was an applicant that just passed the class. We we he went to Walmart to buy shoes. Uh, he even he went and bought his own whistle. We gave him a whistle and he was able to do that. So the, the the method behind this story, and it's not gonna be as fun as the one that Adam will tell, is to make sure your bag is packed and that you have everything ready and that you take the right bag at the beginning of the day. Um, and I would keep a bag packed for the season ready just in case. So don't just live through one shirt and one pair of pants during the season. Have have a couple of sets. So that that's that's more of a tidbit than a story. So, uh, you know, I, Adam, I can't wait to hear what you're going to share.
1: Long time ago, back when I was working uh, non-varsity basketball, although some think I should go back to that now, um, particularly some coaches. I think Duggan just sent in another email about that on the inadvertent whistle at gmail.com. Have I plugged that enough yet today? <laughs> so... Um, Back when I was working some non-varsity basketball, it was the first game of the season. Quite honestly, I don't even remember the school. But I do remember my partner. And a good big shout-out to Dan Pelham. Uh, hopefully he's out there listening. But he and I were assigned to do a freshman uh, JV doubleheader. And this was back before cell phones. And we had confirmed with each other through telephone before we left our respective homes or offices. And I got to the gym, was in the locker room, Game time was at 4 o'clock. It's, it's now getting on 345-ish, 350, and he's not there yet. And you know, The last thing I'm going to do is call the, the commissioner to, to rat out my partner for not being there, because I know he's coming. He said he was coming. So I walk out, and I'm figuring I'm going to go start this game by myself, and I walk out in the hallway, and, and then lo and behold, who do I bump into in the hallway coming out of a different locker room? But Dan. They had put us in separate locker rooms, and neither one of us knew. <laughs> So we both were preparing to go out there to referee the games ourselves, and it's like, hey, good to see you. Let's go try it out there and go out not, not to mess it up too bad. So I guess my the, the tidbit, if there is a tidbit in this, is to make sure you, when you get to gym sites, uh, to communicate with the administrators there and let them know that you're there so that they can stop worrying. Because I can tell you, as I mentioned earlier, as an administrator, uh, we do get worried when we don't see officials at the site because we kind of need you to... We, they need us to play the games. They say they don't, but they kind of really do.
0: Well, that looks like it's going to be uh, the end of this first episode of the Invert and Whistle podcast. And maybe our last. Who knows? Uh, but I, I would like to to say that if you're out there listening, you know, please share this information with other people. Uh, and we're, we're going to try and do this semi-regularly. We will normally also add in a guest interview because it's our first time. We don't even know if this is recording right, so... Uh, more than likely, uh, we'll be able to accomplish it, unlike Brian Doyle and Kevin Warren did for DMV Hoopscast. Cast. But, uh, but we also don't have Jerry Lynn to help us. So, we're going to work hard and try to do better next time. So, if you're uh, if you have any uh, you know in- interest in sharing anything with us, let me repeat. Our email account is inadvertentwhistle at gmail dot com. And we're also on Twitter at inadvertentwhistle.
1: What's Twitter?
0: we'll talk about that next time
1: excellent I really do uh, want to thank Scott for all the work, hard work he put into getting this thing off the ground and may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day come listen to us next time at the inadvertent whistle podcast